one more time from Indianapolis out of the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine. We say, welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. Plus, we've got Charles Davis stopping by. Davis is part of the NFL Network coverage this week. Plus, he calls games for CBS and called a Cardinals game this season. Some great comments, insight from him on where he believes the Cardinals are headed. Also, we talk rookies and why Jonathan Gannon doesn't hesitate to play them. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 732, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealer. Happy March 1st, Danny. January was so slow, and February was so <laughs> fast, Craig. Thank by, you. By the way, I totally failed to realize Thursday, February 29th, so happy belated National Leap Day. That's right. It's An a leap year. bonus day. Woohoo! And with that bonus day, oh boy, did we work. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding, Craig. Some more than others. Work me to the bone. As we continue our coverage here in Indianapolis, 2024 NFL Scouting Combine, day two of the on-field workouts. Workouts will run through Sunday, but that work that Danny more so than I, Bird Gang, full disclosure, we mentioned earlier this week that you had a sit-down with Jonathan Gannon, but you also had a sit-down with the general manager, Monty Austinford. Did I? Uh, Craig, the week is such a blur. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, it, was re- it was really great. It was the interview with Gannon was more so – Looking back at his first years as a head coach, and a little bit the same with Austin Fort as general manager, however, that one was talking about the philosophy and this year's draft and what's being accomplished at the Combine this week. Um, so pretty insightful. And, and I think if you watch both interviews, and then especially if you listen to what they both said at the podium to the media Tuesday of this week, you can get a sense that they are definitely on the same page in terms of philosophy and when it comes to wanting to really build this team from the ground up through the draft and use free agency as more of a supplemental aspect we'll talk more about the draft with charles davis he'll join us here on cardinals covered two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals he's part of the nfl network coverage of the on-field work here at the scouting combine also works for cbs had a call earlier this season of a Cardinals game. In fact, it was week 15 against the 49ers. But I want to go back to something you said about the general manager and head coach being in lockstep, their connection on the same page, and wanting this team built, in JG's words, last year's draft class, this year's draft class, and next year's draft class. Yeah, you can need, to a certain extent, need some of that veteran presence to kind of help these young players along. But in year one, GM gets a bunch of first-year players, draft class, undrafted rookies, claim players, and then Gannon played those first-year players. And 
not hesitant to play any of those first-year players. Yes, in part, more so on the defense from playing those first-year players in which the Cardinals had a league-high 64 starts by first-year players. Yes, in large part due to injury. Cardinals were hit big time with the injury bug. Gannon was saying that's not the only reason. Game reps are unmatched, and that is the best way to evaluate what you have in a player. Gannon was saying, you know, you can learn some things about a player when you're working on a third down out of practice and you don't have anybody really going up against you but when you're in those crunch time moments in a game and you're out in Seattle and the crowd is cheering those are the moments you really see what you have in a player so yes a lot of younger players got a lot of play time last season in part because they had to step up and the Cardinals didn't have a ton of veteran depth also because Gannon wanted to see what he had in those players here's the quote forum JG about not being hesitant to play rookies quote the quicker they get to play the quicker you see what they are that could be good or bad you got to see them to make that evaluation and I think of two players in particular one Keetro Clark did they throw him into the fire to see what he could do and then maybe pull back the reins a little bit but do see a bright future for him He just might have been overwhelmed on a couple of different things, maybe technique, maybe reading offenses, what wide receivers, what playmakers like to do, that he has to counter that. But that seems to me one of those rookies that might have been, okay, we like what we saw out of him in OTAs and training camp. He's really catching on. Let's play him. And they did early in the season. I I get the feeling it is mostly that of getting a feel for what you have in Clark. And then at the same time, I think they really liked what they saw in Starling Thomas. They weren't able to pick up Thomas until right before the regular season started. So on one hand, you've got Keetrell Clark, who's working through the first few weeks as a starter, and you can see in areas where he's raw. And then you've also got Starling Thomas, who at the same time is is practicing really well and is taking advantage of the reps, and it just kind of worked out in Thomas's favor. I see it as kind of a two-parter as to why Clark was starting the season as your cornerback and then ended up not finishing the season as a starter Fair I, point. I, I don't I don't take that as they don't like what they saw in Clark to the point where we don't expect to see him play again I think it's more so needs a little bit of time to to develop on the flip side one of those rookie draft picks that maybe played sooner rather than later because of injury Dante Stills if LJ Collier doesn't get hurt if Carlos Watkins doesn't get hurt if Lucky Fotu doesn't get hurt maybe we don't see Dante until later in the season but now that's an example of hey you're getting the game reps who cares how you're getting those game reps yeah you earned them because you're not going to be put on the field unless you can contribute but someone that saw reps early excelled at those reps earned more reps and now all of a sudden as a sixth round draft pick maybe a little bit of a surprise because he became a key piece on that defensive line not only this entire season, but I certainly think whatever this team does, free agency and the draft moving forward on the D-line, you're going to see Dante Stills play and be a key rotation piece. In my opinion, you saw what you needed to see out of Dante Stills, which was the more time he had out on the field, the more reps he got, the better he got. The more comfortable he was, the more confidence he had. You don't expect him to be perfect you don't expect anyone to be perfect first of all except for you except for me especially though a rookie coming in in the circumstances that stills had to come in as however what can you ask of him to give your best and to get better and i think you saw 
stills improve week after week as we got into the later end of the season last year. And then, of course, you have Paris Johnson Jr., but when you are a top pick, top five, this was number six, but we understand in hindsight that if the Cardinals did not trade down from number three, odds are they were going to take Paris Johnson Jr. with the third overall pick. And when you're drafted that high, you have to play right away. Expectations are different <laughs> with, with those early on picks, really those first-round picks. So, yes, I, I still like what we saw from Paris Johnson Jr. We Actually, when we talked to Charles, uh, he talked about Paris Johnson Jr. and, and how many years it kind of takes for rookie offensive tackles to really settle in and, and things of that nature and how it doesn't normally happen in year one. It takes a little bit of time. Similar to Stills, though, we saw Johnson, one, stay healthy, and two, improve week after week going up against some monster defenders that he faced this year. Aaron Donald, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa. Impressive work from a rookie. And will only make him better moving forward, whether that's on the right side or if he slides over to the left side. I think he is capable, more than capable, of working either position because he's going to see those edge rushers, whether he's on the left side or the right side. Right. At at this day and age, a lot of those edge rushers have the flexibility to move from side to side. So I think that's why a lot of them wanted to originally start out going up against the rookie, maybe not knowing that he, Paris Johnson Jr., would give them such a hard time. Now, Johnson didn't tell us when the season ended he was going to start training on both sides again. He has experience on the left side. It'll be interesting to see whatever the decision is from this coaching staff in front office on what they decide to do with the left tackle since dj humphreys tore his acl maybe that's paris maybe it's not paris is going to be ready though just in case yeah still don't know about that future as far as dj humphreys and what happens with paris johnson jr we also don't know what's going to happen with this cardinals team when it comes to the draft in april as we continue here from the scouting combine in indianapolis mentioned we had a chance to catch up with charles davis nfl network cbs as well and that is how we kind of led into our conversation because davis has a little bit different perspective than a lot of the people we've talked to this week he saw the cardinals it was against the 49ers so he wasn't from afar he actually was up close and personal in fact in the tv booth at state farm stadium what he saw from the arizona cardinals this past season so you have a very different perspective from a lot of different people that we've spoken to when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, because you saw them play yeah, I got lucky. this season. I got lucky, and, and, and I say that no tongue-in-cheek. Got to see you at the end of the season, at home, wearing all white. It's the holiday Those season. You don't see that very often from the Cardinals, right? Against San Francisco. And I call the world broadcast of the Super Bowl, the world feed, with my partner, Ian Eagle. So we're always thrilled when we get a chance to see all the contenders. So getting San Francisco at your place, bonus time for me. But I will tell you, getting ready for that game, the organization, I knew Jonathan Gannon because I had time with him in Philadelphia. All right, So I'd gotten to know him. I knew him. Did not know Drew Petzing. Did not know Nick Rawless other than reputation. Now, I'll tell you how old I am. When Nick was playing in Minnesota, I called his game. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I knew Nick that way. Didn't know him as the coach. I told Ian and my team before that game, I have not been as impressed in a first-time meeting with coordinators in a long time as I was with Drew Petzing and Nick Rawless. And I really already knew how I felt about Jonathan. 
I really think good days are ahead for the Arizona Cardinals. I, and I'm not saying this because I'm sitting with you. You can find me saying this other places, okay? Trust me on this one. This is not one because I'm real big on – got I've got my um, undergrad in political science, my master's in history. I'm not big on revisionist history, okay? If I said it, I own it. I said this that week. I say it now. I say it everywhere. I'm extremely impressed with the leadership of those three in terms of what's going on. So I just think that they've got a chance. What they did with San Francisco, what was the final score? Lost by about 20? Lost. But, but it didn't feel like it. Yes. And they that they was... did some damage. And by the way, the damage that they did in the run game yes. was what caused San Francisco issues in the playoffs because people use that tape. I guarantee you they use that tape. That big offensive line of yours? Because San Francisco, yeah, they, ah, we didn't play this. Nah. That, that tape was a training tape. And guess who took advantage of it? Detroit did up until a point, and they didn't close the door when they had a chance. Impressed by Gannon and his coordinators, why? Because not only do they have a, a, a plan and are able to articulate it, it's not a canned response. It's not a, this is our mission statement, let me read it to you verbatim. They were very real about what's going on, very real about understanding who their talent was at the time that, that, that we were talking, very real about what they needed to do to try and win a ball game with the team that they had constructed, but also with a vision for where they want to go and what they want to look like down the road. And watching those players play so hard on both sides of the ball, that tells me a lot about a team. Because, you know, at that time of the year, holiday season, we could have cashed it in at that point, right? I mean, you know, we've seen it. Every sport down the stretch, when it's done, not this team. They played really, really hard. And you see some pieces in place. But I just liked where they were. I, 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 you know, It's an overused phrase, but they were authentic. One of the big pieces, especially late in the season, was seeing Kyler Murray be Kyler Murray, small sample size. But you saw what he was capable of and what he did prior to the knee injury. Yeah, Is that another piece – now you that you can surround talent with it is and 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 i'll put it all on the table for you when i first heard them talk about that kyler murray was their guy and they plan to build around him for the future i was skeptical i really was i i had a hard time believing like really are you sure i feel like you guys gonna go through a season and figure it out and go but they grasped onto him pretty quick and just waited for him to get back and then once he came back then I saw what they were talking about. They want him to be their quarterback. They want him to be their franchise guy. They want him to have ownership of that offense and take it and run with it from there, which is something I don't think Kyler's ever truly had to do. He had ownership of offenses before, but mainly by talent. Now they want him to have the talent, and they want him to be their extra eyes and, and, and coach on the field and all those other things, and I really actually believe it. I told you I was skeptical. Too many other things. But I really believe that Jonathan Gannon meant it, and Drew Petzing echoed it, and then I watched the team play, and I think that's where they're headed. I really do. For this offense, Kyler Murray, his game to elevate immediately. Talking about the offensive side of the ball. Can you play receiver? <laughs> that was going to be the point yeah, I was going to bring. But starting left tackle DJ Humphreys tore his ACL yep. at the end of the year. So in your opinion – should the Cardinals prioritize the trenches, or do you look for a playmaker, especially with – look, it's, it's a deep rookie it's, class for tackles is. and wide receivers. It certainly is. How do you it? make a decision? It's a tough one, right? It's a tough one. So let's go back and, and go through some recent history in the NFL. Let's go to Detroit. They took Panay Sewell. 
and played him at right tackle because they had Taylor Decker at left tackle. That was a debate. It, that worked for Detroit. Let's go to Cincinnati. Left tackle. Should it be Sewell or should it be Jamar Chase? They chose Chase. That worked out. I think it's a, it's a matter of what Monty Austin Ford is your GM. Jonathan Gans, the head coach, and the rest of the scouting department determines when they put that board up where the value is and how they rate those players. Some people think I can get away with a little bit lesser left tackle because I have a quarterback who makes quick decisions. He can run and move. That playmaker out wide is going to give me a little bit more. Others believe i got to have my quarterback protected. I need the left tackle and what have you. Picking where you're picking, because I made some notes on this, sitting there at four, the receiver might be more value for you at four than the tackle would be because I think you can get a very similar tackle down the road. But that receiver, if you really covet him, and by the way, you might get first bite at Marvin Harrison because the first three off the board could easily be quarterbacks. You may have that decision right there staring at you. And I have to say, if you get the first bite at Marvin Harrison, it'd be hard to turn that down. A lot of people look at that wide receiver class, those top three names, whether it's Marvin okay. Harris, Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunza. They're all number one or projected to be number one wide receivers. How do you differentiate whether one is better than another <laughs> or is a better fit for a particular team? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? And each team has to determine all that. I have Harrison at the top, but that's not an original thought. We all have, and we have for a while. He's been that projected guy for a while. Has everything you're looking for. I watched him again on tape this morning, believe it or not, and just watch his ability to catch short ones, turn them upfield, catch the long one, late hands, go up and get it, run the intermediate route, present that big body, good frame, go and get the football, really like that. But all the others have that as well. Here's the interesting part. Malik Neighbors, I know his coach at LSU very well. Do you remember when the Bolitnikoff Award came out and Neighbors didn't win it and he was really upset? Lost it by like a vote or two. It was a really close vote. He was really upset about the whole thing. It was actually vocal. You don't hear that very often with those types of awards. So I talked to his coach about it and he said, that's just another chip for him. Like this guy just, he just munches these perceived slights. It's kind of Jordan-esque and like he can create these things. He said, he just, he said, you guys just took him to another level that way. And the kicker to the whole thing is the guy, a guy who's not going to be listed at the top of the board, but it's going to be a really good receiver later, is his neighbor's teammate at LSU, Brian Thomas. And Brian Thomas is one of those guys that you can play at any position in the wide receiver tray, and he'll produce there. But he doesn't even have to practice them. He can get the lineup. He can get the game plan at a snap, tell you what every, the other 10 are doing on any given play. And I think that there's another level to his game that's still left. But you got to project it, and you got to believe it's going to go there. What you're getting from the front three is you're already seeing that, and that's why they're at the top of the board. Cardinals defense finished bottom tier statistically. Could use help in the trenches. Everywhere. Everywhere. When you're looking at this draft class, you're thinking about D lineman or top cornerback. How do you prioritize what might have the most significant trickle-down effect for the Cardinals, maybe even in free agency, to yeah. address? Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and, and Danny, when you, when, when you get into all this, now we're into that same discussion we had about the tackle versus the wide receiver, except on the defensive side of the ball. Because I've grown up in my nearly 60 years on this earth, start inside out. I want the trenches taken care of and everything else goes. It wasn't that long ago. Remember when Denzel Ward came out in, in, out of Ohio State and went to Cleveland at number four? 
They took him instead of Bradley Chubb, the pass rusher out of NC State, which seemed like a seismic change in philosophy. And at the time, it was prioritized because I think Greg Williams was the D coordinator in Cleveland. And he's like, nowadays, the ball's out of quarterback's hand so fast that the cover guys actually become even more valuable. Now, some people believe it. Some people don't. It'd be interesting to see if Monty Austin Fort and his crew believe because we're talking about picking at four, but you got a bunch of other picks. 27. Right? Deep draft all the way through. Offensive tackles, wide receivers, a lot of defensive backs, but mainly at the corner, not the safety position. So that's going to be the interesting part to see where they see where they decide to go. And by the way, the linebackers this year, a good crop of linebackers, but I don't expect a single linebacker going to first round. Charles, I know you're in demand this week. We appreciate. Me? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying the law was coming to get me. I said, like, hold on a second. Oh, oh, you mean I get to go talk to someone else? I thought they were waiting for me to take me down and get arraigned. Appreciate it. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Enjoy your coverage on the NFL Network and CBS Sports as well. I appreciate it. I hope we get a chance to see more of you guys in the upcoming years. Take care. So a familiar theme, regardless who we've had a chance to speak to here in Indianapolis – People who have watched the Cardinals from afar or people like Charles Davis who watched the Cardinals in person, they have all said to a man how competitive the Arizona Cardinals, how impressed they were on even late in the season. The Cardinals played all 60 minutes, and that's a credit to GM Monty Austinfort, who selected the players, and head coach Jonathan Gannon and Gannon's coaching staff. Very impressive. The fact that Charles was saying before the game at the production meeting, just from meeting offensive coordinator Drew Petzing and defensive coordinator Nick Rollis, he was impressed with them. And because of the authenticity and how genuine they are, and and not just as people, but that's how you know it's a genuine buy-in from the players and what this coaching staff and this front office is trying to build. And I, I think that's an important piece, and that's why we didn't see a drop-off in terms of effort or competitiveness from this team. We've seen that before from the Cardinals. We see that around the league, Craig, is when the season starts to dwindle down, teams already are out of the playoffs, there's no chance for that, some of them start to pack it in, right? Because players, you know, they don't want to get hurt, they know that their offseason is quickly approaching. Not the case furthest thing from the case for the Cardinals. We saw that because we are in and around the facility and with players and coaches every day so to hear that and have that recognized from analysts and and national media says a lot to what the cardinals are doing and how noticeable and real it is and as charles mentioned around the holidays the cardinals two wins two biggest wins arguably outside of the dallas cowboys on the road christmas eve in pittsburgh on the road new year's eve philadelphia so if you are going to, quote-unquote, lose a team because they were already had their eyes on the offseason and vacation plans, those would be games in which you would anticipate a loss and maybe even a double-digit loss. Instead, Cardinals flew all the way back to Tempe with a victory. That's accountability, Craig. That's accountability from top down. That's accountability in the locker room and having the right kind of leadership and working hard practice and on game days and leading by example. One other note about Charles Davis and what he had to say with respects to the drafts, maybe even a couple of different points, but the decision that the Cardinals face at number four, whether it's a wide receiver or an offensive lineman, and he brought up the example of what the Bengals did and what the Lions did, 
Bengals chose the wide receiver in Jamar Chase. The Lions chose the tackle in Panay Sewell. It worked out for both of those players, both of those teams in 2021. Now, Cardinals at number four, a little bit different situation, but still faced with that, okay, do you want to give Kyler Murray the playmaker or give Kyler Murray the protection? It almost makes it sound like you can't go wrong either way. True. Which is, it, and, and as things change over time and, and the way that the game is changing and even how players are approaching the NFL scouting combine and not participating in workouts or medicals, the philosophies change over time. The game is still won in the trenches. If you want to take an offensive lineman, great. Cardinals could use one. I thought it was really interesting when Charles was talking about wide receivers and that you can argue that there is less of a risk taking a wide receiver of the caliber of, of the top three names that keep getting mentioned, which is Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze, that the risk is almost less with a caliber of those three than taking a tackle, which typically takes two to three years to really start to hit their stride. And that was an interesting take of, oh, maybe it's not as much of a, as a risk to take a skill position player with the fourth overall pick as it was years ago, as it may have felt when the Cardinals took Larry Fitzgerald all those years ago. And that that's a little bit comforting to, to hear. And, and Charles Davis is not the first analyst that we have spoken with this week in Indianapolis to have a similar sentiment in that. Davis also brought up something that I had not considered when we talk about defense and the edge rusher versus the cornerback. And we talk with Drew Stanton, our colleague, and he always breaks the huddle, and the first thing that he looks for, the outside linebacker, the edge rusher. Where's that pressure coming from? Because if a quarterback can stand in the pocket, I don't care how good of a cornerback you are, you're not going to be able to cover the wide receiver. Davis brought up something that we are seeing a trend, is quarterbacks, they aren't standing in the pocket because they are getting the ball out so quickly that that negates the pass rush. To where now all of a sudden maybe teams are thinking, hey, we need – a true shutdown corner, a bona fide all-pro, because that's where this game is headed. The adjusting to what we see on the field, now into the front office. What what do you value most? Is it the edge rush or is it the cornerback? I'd always, because I listen to Drew Stanton and what he says, he played the game I didn't, that you want that edge rusher. But hearing Davis, it makes sense, because how many times did we hear someone in the locker room or a head coach or a coaching someone on the staff say the ball is getting out quick uh, it, it, it's it's true so maybe i need to rethink things a little bit you i think that you can still have that philosophy and still prioritize a cornerback maybe with a 27th overall pick or early in round two for the cardinals with the handful of cornerbacks that seem to be mocked um in in those areas and i think you can still feel that way of this, this one doesn't feel like a, a draft class where you've got a lot of big-name pass rushers. Those seem to be coming more day two, day three as those role players from what we've gathered from analysts that we've talked to. I think you can still have that same opinion, Craig, of maybe valuing the edge rusher a little bit more. However, seeing the value in the cornerbacks in this year's draft class and recognizing how big of a need that is for the Cardinals – and that maybe in years past, maybe a little more hesitancy if the Cardinals do decide to take a cornerback in the first round of, oh, maybe in the past that might not be the right decision. And that could be the right decision this year. Very curious to see 
what Monty does and kind of get more of an idea of his philosophy. Because based off just one year, it's line of scrimmage. It's the offensive line. It's the defensive line. I still get a sense that's where the focus is going to be. But do we get a larger view of how he feels a team should be built or has success quicker based off what he believes in how you construct a roster? The Cardinals are in such a good spot at four. They have so much leverage. They have so many positions that they need to address that are deep in this year's draft class. And there's a chance where the Cardinals could find themselves in a position answering some phone calls for a couple of teams, a couple spots down below them, and you trade down a few spots, you're still able to get a top wide receiver, a top tackle, and then you have even more capital and more leverage to maybe trade up and get an interior defensive lineman, get a cornerback. I mean, truly, general manager Monty Austinfort has got to have the biggest grin knowing the possibilities and if the board is going to shake out the way people are kind of expecting, possibilities are endless. Of course, as we sit here and speak on Friday, March 1st, do our thoughts change in the coming days and coming weeks? And we're having sure different will, conversations. Craig. I'm sure they will. Closer to the draft. Ready to go home? <laughs> no, I'm having so much fun out here with you, Craig. Oh, I said so much sarcasm <laughs> in that answer. A very productive week, long, but productive, and I do think we accomplished a lot, and I certainly appreciate your help and your talents here on Cardinals Cover 2. I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. It's been a fun week. But you're ready to get rid of me. It's not so Three straight that, shows, Craig. four days overall. You need a break. It's more so need a break. It's not personal. <laughs> I understand. On that note... We will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, our week-long coverage from Indianapolis. Special thanks to everyone behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Almohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, who needs a break, well-deserved. I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.